Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Joshua chapter 18 today, and as we start this morning, I just would ask you if you find yourself as a, uh, a person who finds it easy to trust people or difficult to trust people. How many of you say that for the most part, you find it easy to trust people? Raise your hand. All right, how many of you be honest and you're probably a little more cynical and you'd say, I, I find it hard to trust people? All right, about, that's about 50-50. That's, that's about what it is. And you know what? I know it depends upon the person, but for the most part, probably uh, all of us kind of lean one way or the other. We kind of lean one way or the other that we maybe find it easy to trust or we find it hard to trust. I know myself, I'm one who, I'm, I'm, I would consider myself to be a pretty trusting person that, uh, not, not in a trusting in a foolish way, but I believe, try to believe the best in people and, and my wife's really helped me with that, try to just believe what people say. On the other hand, there's people who are not so easily trusting. Take, for instance, our staff. I'm not going to pick on any one particular person from our staff yet, <clears throat> but Monday of this week, we, uh, you know, of course, we're gearing up for Christmas, and we got into uh, um, the Christmas week, and we had planned to do a staff Christmas party, and just because of everyone's plans, we ended up changing it, and we are just going to go out to lunch, and uh, so that was Monday at 11 o'clock. We were all going to meet at, at Tsunami Sushi down there and on 3rd Street. How many of you like sushi? How many of you wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole? All right, I'll take you to sushi afterwards and show you how to eat it. It's really good. But we went to Tsunami Sushi, and of course, they have a lot of great food there besides sushi. And we got there, and we're looking at the menu, and I'm kind of going through, you know, thinking about what I'm going to get. And then Hannah looks at me, and she says, babe, we've been here. Most of the staff hasn't. Why don't you just order for everybody? I was like, that's great. I'm going to do that. And so... I went up and I placed all the order and I, I got the sushi orders and the noodle orders and the fried rice orders and the gyoza. I, I kind of got a spread of a little bit of everything for, for the staff, for their, just our Christmas party. And, and uh, finally all the staff showed up and uh, Brian and Samantha were there first and then Robert and Beth and then um, uh, Micah and Rebecca got there and you know they have the newborn so they have to be a little bit late. That's okay, we'll forgive them right now. <clears throat> starting next year, though. We're done with that. Uh, but they all got there, and I said, all right, hey, listen, we're here. Uh, only a couple of you have been here before. I said, so do you guys trust me that I, I went ahead and ordered for everybody? Now, there's eight people on staff, including myself. I got six immediate yeses. Six. Brian and Samantha, they're like, yeah, pastor, we trust you. Robert Beth, pastor, we trust you. And then Mrs. Bosworth, she said, yes, pastor, I trust you. It came down to one other staff member, and I'm not going to tell you who it is. But that one other staff member was still standing there and pretending like he didn't hear me. He was slowly putting... Again, I'm not going to tell you who he is. He has a newborn. Not going to tell you. He was setting the newborn down and getting their other daughter in the high chair. And I was still waiting. And I said, <clears throat> I called him by name. We'll call him George for now. <laughs> Just because I don't want to pick on anyone in particular. George, I ordered for everybody. Do you trust me? Do you want to know his answer? His answer was, well, not really. I said, George, have I ever led you wrong in ordering food? Have I ever ordered you something you didn't like? To which his reply was, Yeah. 
All right, well, George, listen, you're gonna trust me because I already ordered. <coughs> and of course, we made a joke of it and George is the one staff member. I'm not gonna name him. You just kind of have to figure out who it was. You know what? I know that's a funny story, but it just kind of came to my mind that some people are just easily trusting and other people like George, <laughs> they find it hard. You know what's sad is that while a lot of us humanly find it hard to trust people, there's one person in this world that we have no reason not to trust, and yet often we find ourselves not trusting. And that one I'm talking about is God. Every one of us, we go through times in our life when we know that God, he's really, he has not given us any reason to not trust him. And yet, probably all of us, one of the most dis difficult decisions that we make on a daily basis, one of the most difficult decisions is, God, I choose to trust you in this. And can I just tell you right now that that's common between every person who would claim to be a child of God from the past all the way to the present. Every single person who would consider themselves to be a child of God has to face the decision, is God worth trusting? And today what we're going to do is we're going to go to Joshua chapter number 18, and I'm going to show you from the Word of God a principle that I believe God was trying to get through to the children of Israel to help them understand this simple truth that we really have a God who is completely worth trusting. And this is something that God taught Joshua and something I believe that God can teach us today as we look at moving into a new year. And so I want you to take your Bible and stand with me if you will. And let's go to Joshua and chapter number 18. And we're just going to read the first 10 verses of this uh, passage, Joshua 18, beginning in verse number one. The word of God says this. It says, And the whole congregation of the, <coughs> excuse me, the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there, and the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, how long are you slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you? Give out from among you three men for each tribe, and I will send them, and they shall rise and go through the land and describe it according to the inheritance of them. And they shall come again to me, and they shall divide it into seven parts. Judah shall abide in their coast on the south, and the house of Joseph shall abide in their coast on the north. Ye shall therefore describe the land into seven parts and bring the description hither to me that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord our God. But the Levites have no part among you for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance and in God and Reuben, the half-tribe of Manasseh, they've received their inheritance beyond Jordan on the east, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. And the men arose and went away. And Joshua charged them that went to describe the land, saying, Go and walk through the land and describe it and come again to me that I may here cast lots for you before the Lord in Shiloh. And the men went and passed through the land and described it by cities into seven parts in a book and came again to Joshua to the host at Shiloh and Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord and there Joshua divided the land under the children of Israel according to their divisions. <clears throat> it's an interesting passage of scripture, isn't it? It's just the dividing of the land. But as we come to Joshua 18, this scripture and some of the surrounding passages that we're going to look at this morning, we're going to discover just that truth I said a moment ago, that we have a God who's worth trusting. And this is a lesson that God wanted to challenge his children with, the children of Israel. And I believe that God still brings into, into our lives today. And from this passage and from this, the, the context of this passage, the dividing of the land, we're going to discover that we, like the children of Israel, we still have a God who is worth trusting. And so I hope you'll make the decision this morning that uh, the decision by the end of the message is that God, whatever comes my way in the new year, I trust you. 
God, whatever happens in the new year, I trust you. Whatever happens tomorrow, God, I choose to trust you. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed. And let's just take this time and pray and commit the time to the Lord. And let's ask him to speak to our hearts this morning. Let's ask him today to help us to be reminded of the truth that he is worth trusting. Dear Lord, we come before you again and we thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the focus this morning on the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to thank you for coming and dying on a cross that we might have salvation. Thank you for giving us another day, a new year that we're approaching to serve you in. And Lord, I pray that, Father, as we look at today, wrapping up 2019 and looking forward to 2020, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to just be uh, uh, reminded once again that no matter what comes our way, that we have a God who's worth trusting. Lord, I pray that you'd be with uh, my mind, be with my actions, be with my speech this morning. Lord, I just humble myself and surrender to you and ask you that you'd speak and that you'd work. And Lord, we love you. We commit this time to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> in order to help us all kind of be on the same page, we need to understand what's taking place as we come to Joshua chapter number 18. If you were to go and, and uh, be a student of, the, of Scripture, you would remember that Joshua and the children of Israel, they have, of course, they were in captivity in the land of Egypt, and Moses led them out. That's the book of Exodus that we read. And they would come, Joshua and the children of Israel, uh, led by Moses, they would come to this quote-unquote promised land, the land of Israel now that uh, they're in, and so Moses would lead the children of Israel out of captivity to that promised land. They would send spies in, and the book of Exodus records for us. Those spies went in, they came back, and 10 of the spies brought a bad report, said we can't go in, and two of the spies, a man by the name of Joshua and a man by the name of Caleb, they brought back a good report, and they said, no, we can trust God, we can go into the land. Well, the people of Israel, they believed the ten rather than the two, and, and they opted not to go into the promised land. And you know the story that because of that, God said, well, since you have disobeyed me, not gone to the promised land, I'm going to cause you to wander in the desert for 40 years. And during that wandering time, those of you that are 20 and older, you're all going to die except for Joshua and Caleb. Well, you come to the book of Joshua, and all of that has come to pass. The children of Israel, under the leadership of Moses, they've wandered in the desert, in the wilderness, for around 40 years. Those who are 20 above, including Moses and Aaron and, and, and uh, Miriam, their sister, they've all died off except for Joshua and Caleb. Joshua chapter 1 through chapter number 6 is the children of Israel making their first entry into the promised land. And if you were here for our Judges series, you'll recall that God had given them those uh, two tasks as they would come into the promised land. Number one was to destroy or drive out the inhabitants or the enemies of God that were in the land. And number two was to teach the next generations who God is and all that he could do. Well, the book of Joshua records for us their first days in the land. The first town that they would come to was the walled city of what? Jericho. They came to the walled city of Jericho, and, and you read Joshua chapter number 6. They march around. They defeat that. The second city they would go to, Joshua chapter number 7, is the city of Ai. And because of the sin of Achan there in Jericho, they would go, and they would not defeat Ai. They would be driven away just simply by a few thousand men, and it would cost the lives of over three dozen men, around three dozen men in, in Israel. And, and from there on in, Joshua 7 on, they're conquering the land. Well, when you come to Joshua 13, Joshua is now the leader. Moses has been off the scene. They're in the promised land. And Joshua 13 through 19 is what we would call the division of the land. It's God allotting to the 12 tribes of Israel the land that they would possess. Now, we need to get the I want us to get some of the, um, the symbolism and the pictures that we can apply. The promised land for the nation of Israel, it was a place that God was saying, I want you here because here is where you'll find a great relationship with me. The children of Israel, they belong to God. Once they left Egypt, that was kind of the stamp saying, we belong to God, we are his people. 
That was their quote-unquote salvation experience. They crossed, they believed in God, they followed God, they passed from Egypt, a picture of the world, now they're followers of God. The promised land was supposed to be a, a type or an idea of what you and I would call a fulfilled Christian life. That God wanted them to go to the promised land and find a fulfilled relationship with him and become uh, just saturated in a love for God and a love for his word and a love for his people. And the promised land was where God wanted them to end up so that he could bless them and use them to point all the world to who he was. Man, I want the world to see my power work in you and work through you. And so I want you to be in the promised land and that's where you're going to find a fulfilled life with me. Okay. The correlation of that is like the promised land is just like that fulfilled Christian life for you and I. We need to understand today that God, he has a plan for your life. And God wants you to know him and he wants you and I to experience him to the fullest. But that fulfilled Christian life only comes as I'm faithfully following him, as I'm trusting him and allowing him to lead me. Okay, so the children of Israel, they're now in the promised land, but some of them haven't gone to their possessioned land, their uh, designated land that God had prescribed for them, the, the certain place that he wanted for them. So Joshua 13 through 19 is all of that taking place. It's going fine. Joshua 13, 14, 15, 16, half of 17. It's going fine. But about halfway through chapter number 17, I think it's verse, I don't know, 25 or 26, might be a little bit sooner in that, of Joshua 17, the children of Israel, they stop. They stop conquering the lands. They stop following Joshua's direction in dividing up the land. And they just kind of take a break. They just stop dividing the land. During this time, they would move the tabernacle from Gilgal to Shiloh. All right, that's all they did during, uh, in Joshua 18, they would move from Gilgal to Shiloh and, and set up the tabernacle there. Now, we don't need to know about that. We just need to know that they're just, they're taking a break. They're not doing it anymore. They're not dividing the land. They're not moving forward. They're just kind of at a standstill. So the question I have for the children of Israel is why? Here you are, you've come into the promised land, you've seen some great victories, you've seen God work in your life, you're experiencing that fulfilled uh, uh, walk with God and relationship with God. Why all of a sudden did you stop? It's actually answered for us in our passage. I want you to notice the reason that I believe the children of Israel stopped from verses two and three is what we would call a reason of comfort. They stopped because they got comfortable. I want you to notice verse 2 and 3 of verse number 18 of chapter 18. It says, There remained among the children of Israel seven tribes. All right, so five of the tribes have already got their land, but seven of them, they stopped. They had yet to receive their inheritance. And notice the question that Joshua asks them. Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you slack? to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given to you. He asked the question, hey, how long are you going to be slacked in this? How long do you slack to go to possess the land? The word slack is our key. The word slack shows us in the definition of the word slack in this passage, it means to sink, to relax, or to withdraw. To sink, to relax, or to withdraw. And you know what the children of Israel had done? They had conquered part of the land. And these seven tribes, they just kind of sank back into a spirit of relaxation. It sounds to me a lot like just getting comfortable. You ever taken a day off and <clears throat> maybe on your day off you, you end up waking up early because... You know, you get up early anyway for work. And so your day off, you wake up early and, and you think to yourself, maybe the family's not awake yet. You think, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just start getting some things done. You know, my day off, I'm gonna accomplish some tasks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the lawn mowed. I'm gonna get those light bulbs changed. I'm gonna get the garage cleaned up. And you begin to make your to-do list of your day off. And so you, 
you begin going. Get up, maybe do your devotion, spend time with the Lord, get yourself a bowl of cereal or uh, some breakfast. I don't know if you eat cereal, bacon, whatever you eat for cereal or your cup of coffee. And, and then you, you go on, get your work clothes, you get, get those put on, you go out, get out to the garage. Maybe it's eight o'clock, 8.30. You start cleaning up the garage. Oh, by 10 o'clock, man, you're doing pretty well. And you're like, I'm gonna mow the lawn. So you go out, you mow the lawn. Now it's about noon. I'm gonna go inside and get me a bite to eat. Go inside and make yourself a sandwich. And then you eat your sandwich at the table and you think, you know, I'm gonna take a little break. And I'm gonna go and I'm gonna sit in, the, sit in my recliner. I'm, you know what? It's been a good day. Now it's about 12.30, 12.45. I'm gonna rest for 30 minutes. Rest for 30 minutes, just 45. I'm gonna give myself till 1.30 and then, man, the garage isn't quite clean yet. I wanna get everything done before your spouse, my, my wife get home or before my husband gets home and I'm just gonna take care of this. And just, I'm just gonna rest for a few minutes then I'm gonna accomplish all those other things. And so you know what you do? You sit in that recliner you tip the legs up, you sit back, and you know, you kind of just sink down in that recliner. If you have a recliner like we do, it's, just, it's that one that it's almost like it bear hugs you. <laughs> you feel someone just like reach around and pull you in. And you begin to doze, begin to sleep, and maybe you set an alarm, and your alarm goes off, and it's 1.30, and you go, Man, it feels so nice. Just a few more minutes. Just a few more minutes. And you fall back asleep. Oh, you wake up a little bit later. Oh, man, it's 2.30. Man, I got, I got a good nap in. I'm, I'm going to, man, I'm, all right, all right, I can do this. I'm going to get up. And so you put the legs down, and then you go, man, no, that was just so comfortable. You know what? I'm just going to turn on a movie, and it's my day off. I've already got a few things done. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna relax a little bit. How many of you, be honest, how many of you have done that before? Yeah, you got working, and then you got relaxing, and you quit working. You know what the children of Israel done in Joshua chapter 18? You know what they did in Joshua 17? They sat down in the recliner. They thought, you know, we're in the land. We're, we're doing all right. You know what they began to do? They got comfortable. The reason you relax is because you've got comfortable. So the children of Israel, they're now relaxing. They're just kind of taking it easy, if you will. They, they had begun, you know, they had conquered the land and they had done all of these things. And, and now they're just going to kind of sit back in their recliner. They weren't really listening to the instruction of Joshua, though he hadn't divided the land yet. He was still encouraging them in this. And they were just kind of sitting there, sitting in their recliners, sipping their coffee on a long, relaxing break. You know, that's easy to do. It's easy to get some work done and then just relax because you've gotten comfortable. That's easy to do physically, but can I just tell you this morning that that's also easy to do spiritually. It's easy to get comfortable. You say, Pastor, how do you get comfortable spiritually? Well, you know, there's a lot of Christians that they, uh, their Christianity is defined by what we would call comfortable Christianity. God has big plans for them, and they, you know, when you first trusted Christ, you're just kind of gung-ho, and, and you're just kind of like, you know, I love Jesus, and I'm gonna, I want to be at church, and I want to start doing I want to follow God. And, and then that one year, and that two year, maybe three years go by, or five years, or eight years go by, and, and, and you find yourself saying, you know, man, I sure have done a lot for the Lord in the last few years. I'm teaching a class now, I, and I've been given. <clears throat> And we get comfortable by saying, you know, I know there's probably more that God wants, but I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to kind of take it easy. Oh, I'll still, I'll still go to church. I'll still read the word. I'm still going to serve, but I'm not, I'm not really going to move forward. Now, there's a lot of Christians that are there. Oh, they may not have said that outward, outwardly and actually spoken that word, but there's a lot of Christians, and we know who we are sometimes, that we find ourselves living a recliner Christianity. We're not going anywhere. We're not growing in the Lord. 
We're not taking faith steps. We're not being challenged to grow. We're not responding and applying the word of God to our lives. Oh, we love the Lord. We're his. We belong to him. But we've just found ourselves at a place of slack, a place of comfort, a place of relaxation. And there's a lot of Christians that they're just kind of finding themselves at that place of ease. And, and they just kind of do enough so they don't feel guilty, but they're not really advancing. They're just comfortable with the way things are, comfortable with their giving, comfortable with how they use their time, comfortable with their attendance. They're just kind of comfortable. Can I tell you that that's exactly where Israel was in Joshua 18 and verse number two? Because Joshua came to the people and he asked them, hey, how long are you gonna sit back and relax? Hey, there's more land for you to take. There's more for you to do. There are more people for you to touch. There's more enemies for you to conquer. How long are you gonna sit in the recliner? Hey, get up. That's when your wife gets home. Like, how long you been sitting there? Oh, just, just a little bit. What time is it? It's 4.30. Yeah, just, just a couple hours. Well, honey, it's time to get up. You got, come on, there's, did you see the garage? I can't even get the, I can't get the car in the garage. This is Joshua. He's saying, hey, what are we doing? What are we doing? Let's get up. Let's, let's stop being comfortable. And I want you to see that these people, they, who should be moving forward for the Lord, accomplishing tasks for him, they're slack. They become lazy in their approach to him. And because of this, we find God, through Joshua, giving them what I'm calling a challenge. Just kind of a personal challenge. It's in that verse. Hey, how long are you going to do this? There is still land to possess. Hey, there is still more for you to do. And because of them being at this place of comfort, God kind of, through Joshua, he calls them out on this. How long are you going to do it? How long are you going to sit in your recliner? I've got more for you. And God, he calls them to action. Well, what's the action he calls them to? Verse four through six, he calls them to the action of getting back into the division of the land. Notice verse four, it says, give out from among you three men for each tribe and I will send them and they shall rise and go through the land, describe it according to the inheritance of the land, they shall come again unto me. He continues, but here's what, what Joshua says to the people. He says, hey, listen, here's God's plan. We've got more to conquer, we've got more to do. So each tribe, seven tribes, give three men. 21 men are going to go into the land that we don't yet possess. They're going to scout it out. After they scout it out, they're going to bring back the report of it. Now, the report was not the scouting of the land to say it was good. The report was to say, hey, it's still there, and here's how we could divide it up. Here's the direction we need to go. Here's the decisions we need to make. And so the scouts were supposed to come back and report to Joshua and then what Joshua was going to do is then he would cast lots for the land. Literally put their names in a hat and say, all right, we're going for a eastern part over by the Jordan River. All right, here we go. We're gonna pull that out. Okay, that goes to, that's, that's what it means. That's what they're gonna do. This goes all the way back to the book of Numbers. Uh, this was something that God had laid out for the children of Israel. But this was God in this challenge. He's calling them to action. He's saying, hey, you've been sitting long enough. There's more land to divide. There's more land to conquer. It's time to get up. There's more enemies. Time to get up. You know, in a Christian's life, I believe that that still is what happens. That when a Christian finds themselves comfortable, you can be reminded that God, he will always challenge people to action. Say, pastor, what's that mean for a believer? God doesn't say, you know, once you've been saved for five years, once you've been saved for eight years, hey, once you've known Jesus for 12 years, you've got it made. It's time, time to just sit back, let some of the newbies, some of the new Christians, let them do the work. You, you've done enough. I don't find that anywhere in scripture. You know what God is always saying? He's always saying, hey, I challenge you, there's more. Take another step of faith. Hey, there's someone else to tell about Jesus. Hey, there's a little more uh, faith promise to give. Hey, there's a little more outreach to take place. Hey, there's some more service to happen. Hey, there's some more uh, cleaning that needs to take place. Hey, there's some more classes that need to be taught. Hey, there's some more kids in the nursery. We need some, nur there's, you know what that is? That's God challenging his people. Hey, here's some more steps of growth. 
And God is always, mark it down, he's always going to challenge comfortable Christianity. He's always going to challenge you and I when we find ourselves in a place of comfort. And that challenge, it may come through various ways. In this passage, the challenge was from God through Joshua. But you know what? You and I, we can be challenged maybe through a sermon. Maybe we're challenged through a song that we heard. Maybe we're challenged to take a step of faith through the testimony of somebody else. Someone else says, and like the testimony of many in here, uh, they've said, you know, I heard so-and-so talk about this area of their Christianity, and it challenged me to move forward. I heard them talk about giving, and so I started tithing. I, I heard them talk about uh, being a better example in their home and family devotion, so we started doing that in our home. And you, you never know how God is going to challenge your faith, but God is always going to challenge you and I from a spot of comfort. He's going to say, hey, move forward forward. Hey, move forward. It's God saying the promised land is waiting. The blessed Christian life is waiting. Victories, they're waiting for you. Well, knowing this, knowing that God challenges his children to stop being in a place of comfort, I want you to see something else with me, though. Because after we read about God challenging his children to a place of comfort, I see God offering a way to strengthen the hearts of his people and to give them a heart of courage. Notice what takes place. If you were to look in Joshua 18, you read verse number nine. That the men, they go, those 21 men, the scouts, they pass through the land and they described it by cities into seven parts in a book and come again to Joshua to the host at Shiloh. You know what they did? They go into the land, they look, and then they come back. And they report. They come back to Joshua. They give him a description of the land. And they came back and, hey, Joshua, it still looks good. Hey, Joshua, um, yeah, there's still some enemies there. But, uh, Joshua, the, the land, it's, it's still fertile. Joshua, that man, look, in this northern part, Joshua, there's hardly anybody up there. And they begin to just recount to Joshua and the people. They came back and they talk about the soil of the land. Perhaps they came back and they begin to talk about those fruits and vegetables once again. Maybe they came back and they just reminded the people, hey, just like down south is good, up north is just as good. Why would God have this in the plan? I mean, they already knew it was good. Why would God have the plan of, I want you to send out scouts again? Not to spy out the land, but to just go scout it. Why would God do that? I think part of the reason and one of the reasons is because God knew that the people needed to hear once again, the land is good. Where you're going is a good place to be. You know, God still does that. <clears throat> oftentimes, and I stated this a second ago, oftentimes when God challenges our faith, he uses people who have already been there. He uses somebody. Maybe, uh, maybe, yours is, maybe God challenges you in the area of talking to a coworker about Christ. God challenges your faith in that. You know what he might do? He might bring along someone who says, man, last week I had this door open at work that I never thought would open. I was at work last week and in the lunchroom during break time, I had a buddy of mine who I've been, I've been praying about. He asked me, he asked me a question about what I did over the weekend and I, I got to talk to him about the Lord. And you might have someone that goes through and they tell you their story and they go, man, he, he hasn't trusted Christ yet, but boy, it was so exciting. And they don't even know that God's been working on your heart about that. Then you'll have others, they're, they're kind of the scouts of the land. They go, oh man, God's challenging you to read the Bible. Pfft. Listen, I remember when I made that decision. I remember when I got, I, started, I got serious about God and I, I remember I got challenged in the very same thing. Can I tell you, you're about to make the best decision you've ever made. Outside of trusting Christ, you're about to, listen, you're about to literally change and revolutionize your day-to-day -day if you'll just get in the word. Somebody might, well, I'm, I'm thinking about giving to faith promise. Oh, I remember that time. I remember when I was there. I remember when God challenged me about giving towards missions. And I started that 10 years ago. And can I just tell you, God's always taken care of me. He's always met my need. Well, what is that? That's a scout from the land. They've already been there. 
And they're coming back and saying, hey, it's worth it. Hey, it's worth it to follow Jesus. Hey, it's worth it to keep following God. Hey, it's worth it to take those steps. And I see this morning as we come to this passage in Joshua 18, you find these people. What are they? They're slack. They're comfortable. They're just at a place of relaxing. And so God challenges them. Hey, listen, I want you to move forward. But I'm going to use some scouts to remind you how good it is. And God used the scouts to remind the people how good God's plan was and how amazing the coming land was. So here you have these people of God. They're at this place of comfort, being challenged. God brings them some courage. But I think all of this is done to bring the people of God to what I'm calling is a place of confidence. A place of confidence. You know, I believe God was doing in a lot of this. He was trying to get his people to understand you can trust him. He wanted to bring the people to the place where they would say, okay, God, we want to follow you and what you have in store for us. We don't know what lies ahead, but we know that you do. Now, I want you to see where I see this. If you'll remember with me, God, he's always wanted to bring his children to a place of blessing, a place where he worked in their life in that promised land. And he had that life and that plan for them that, that they couldn't imagine. But in order for them to find that life, they were called to follow God by faith. They were called to trust God. Well, God, he is calling them to trust him in the dividing of the land. You see, the dividing of the land was done through casting lots. <clears throat> casting lots, again, putting everybody's name on a piece of paper, putting it inside of a hat, shuffling it around, and drawing it out. Now, you and I, we would look at casting lots, and we would say, total randomness. It's, it's totally random. Putting 12 hats, putting now seven, seven names in a hat, and just drawing one, and what you get, you get. Totally random. But can I tell you that casting lots with God is not random? Proverbs 16, 16.33, it says this, The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. All the deciding is of God. You see, the Lord, he was in total control. And they had to trust him and have confidence with what he had in store for them. They had to rely upon him and upon their, uh, his plan for their lives. They, they had to trust him in what they saw as uncontrollable. And this was a call to trust in the plan and the direction of God. You see, the children of Israel, they could have said, maybe it was the tribe of Gad or the tribe of Ephraim. They could have said, well, look up there. Look, Joshua, you see that kind of north central part? We want that land. And here's why we want it, because there's, there's no enemies there. We want that spot. Joshua, we want that spot because there's, there's not a lot of mountains getting up through there. It's kind of in a valley. We want that spot. Maybe somebody else is like, Joshua, listen, um, we, really, we really like the water. We, we want to be on the Mediterranean. Joshua, if you, could, if you could give us the Mediterranean, we want some, I want the beach houses Joshua, I want to be right there. I want, to have the, I want to have good trade routes. And they could have mentally reasoned what they thought they deserved and what they thought they needed. But God didn't say, I want each of you to choose. God said, we're going to put all the names in a hat and I'm going to give you the land that I have for you. Now, what was God essentially saying? He's saying, I'm going to put you where I know you need to be. I'm gonna allow you to be in the land that I know you need to have. I'm gonna give you the lot, the land, the possession that I know is gonna be the best for you. You know what the Lord was saying with that? He was saying, hey, I know the mountains that you're gonna have to climb to find your possession. Hey, I know the valleys that you're gonna have to go through. Hey, I know part of the land that you're gonna get, it's gonna be really stony and you're gonna have to till that land and still grow crops. I know that. Hey, I know that there's still enemies. The area that I'm sending you to, there are still some enemies in the land that you're gonna have conflict with for a, a few years. 
but I'm still sending you there because this is the best place for you. You know what God was doing? He was just calling them to a place of trust. He knew what he would be bringing into each of the lives of the tribes of the children of Israel. And he knew everything about where they were going and why he wanted them there. And he was calling them to just trust him in that decision. Now, can I just say this morning that this is still probably one of the hardest struggles for the people of God. We struggle, we struggle with the unknown and with the what ifs. Let me change the slide. We struggle with the unknown and the what ifs, but God knew what was coming. For the children of Israel, he knew, and for us, he knows. You know why you and I sometimes don't take steps of faith? Because what if it doesn't work out? What if I start doing that and it doesn't pan out? What if I start giving and God doesn't bless? What if I talk to that person about the Lord and God, and they say no? What if I start investing in my marriage and, and my spouse takes advantage of it and becomes selfish? What if, and we, we don't take steps sometimes because of the what ifs. That's why the children of Israel hadn't, hadn't gone in. They got comfortable. They didn't want to go in because what if I can't climb that mountain? What if I have to cross that river? What if I face that enemy? And we struggle again with those unknowns and what ifs. And the fact of the matter is this, that often the reason we don't get out of our comfort zones and take steps of faith is because we're scared. But what we need to remember is that with God, and I want you to remember this as we move into a new year, with God, there is no randomness. Can I tell you right now that we're facing the end of 2019, but God is already in 2020? He's already there. We say, how? We're not there. God's not bound by time like we are. God lives out of the laws of time. God is past, present, and future. He's just there. And so your struggles of 2020 or your victories of 2020, God's already in them. And so I believe that there are times in our life that the steps that we're scared to take, God is saying, no, you don't know what lies ahead. Hey, I've already been in tomorrow. Hey, I'm already living on Tuesday. Hey, I'm already in 2021. I'm already there. So you know what you can do? You can trust me with 2019. I've already been there. I already know what decisions I have for you. Here's how we can connect this is we need to understand today that he calls us to a place of trust or a place of confidence in him because he's already been there. And whatever faith step God calls us to, we can take it. And so as we approach 2020, the end of, a, of 2019, and we come into a new year, we need to get rid of the questions of what if. We need to get rid of the, well, I just don't know if I can trust God. No, I can trust him. Why? He's already living there. You see, there's no randomness with our wonderful God. He doesn't say, well, I hope that works out. Hey, hey, would you, uh, if you would, um, I want you to be selfless in the home. I want you to put the, put the needs of your spouse first. I hope it works out for you. And I hope she doesn't throw things at you. Hey, I want you to start tithing. Boy, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's gonna work. But just, just try me, try it. God doesn't do that. There's no randomness with God. God says, hey, I see tomorrow, and if I'm asking you to take a step of faith today, it's because I know this is gonna help you, and this is gonna grow you. I mean, that's what Romans 8 speaks much about. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to become like the Son of God. You know what? Jesus Christ is the purpose, that God is trying to make you and I more like Jesus, and so the simple faith steps that God is trying to do in my life today, he's doing it for a purpose of making me more like Christ tomorrow. Well, God, I don't want to go through that valley. God, I, I don't want to go through that health problem. God, I don't want that. I don't want that work situation. God, I don't want that in my family. God, I don't want to lose that. God, I can't. And we begin to look around and say, but God, I can't. And God the whole time is saying, hey, who are you trusting? You can trust me. You're in a spot of comfort right now. I don't want you there. I'm challenging you. 
I'm going to use other people to encourage you and show you, hey, you can do this. And for every faith step that God brings into our life, I believe he brings someone across our path that has already been there. I look back to us when we started the church. We're coming up, and we're talking with the kids about this, and of course with the staff, where were you 10 years ago? And I remember 10 years ago, a youth pastor in, in Lakewood, and it would be just six months, 10 years ago, you know, forward six months, right in the middle of 2010, when God really began to work and stir in my heart about doing something different and maybe starting a church. And I remember looking at that and thinking, how in the, there's no, there's no way. There's no way, I almost said no stinking way, but then I stopped myself. I said, there's no way. There's no way I can start a church. I can't pastor. That's, that's from my dad. My dad's the pastor. I'm just the, I'm just the second guy. I'm just the guy that's on the side. I'm just the guy that's doing this. No, I, I, I can't do that. And I remember I called a friend of mine and I began to talk with him about the burden that I was getting. And you know what he said? He said, Dennis, if God's calling you to walk through a door, you walk through it until that door slams in your face. And I'll never forget the conversation. And God used someone else who had already taken some faith steps similar to that to encourage me. And then as we were on the road getting ready to start the church and talking to pastors, I'd have pastors say, hey, Dennis, man, God can use you. Hey, Hannah, God can use you. Hey, Dennis, God can use that. Hey, I've been there. Man, we started a church three years ago. We started a church six years ago. Man, we started a church five years ago. And you know what God did? He brought someone across my path to challenge me to understand the faith steps that God is asking you to take, he's already in them. I think of this in Psalm 42, five, the psalmist said, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hey, why are things uneasy in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Hey, why am, I, why am I discouraged in this decision? I don't need to be. Why hope in God? And my trust is in him. I think of Psalm 20 and verse number seven. Some, they trust in chariots and some in horses. But we, we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Hey, my trust is going to be in completely in him. You know, 2020 is going to hold some blessings for you. 2020 is going to hold some victories in your life. We all know it, 2020 is gonna hold some great times in your marriage. It, it holds some great times with your family. But 2020 is also gonna hold some challenges. Can I tell you right now, 2020 is gonna hold some discouragements. 2020 is gonna hold some struggles that you might look at and say, I have no idea how I'm gonna get through this. But can I tell you right now that just as the children of Israel God was trying to move them forward to a place that he had for them. God is still doing that in your life and mine. And he's already in 2020. And so the decisions that he's gonna ask you to make, here's a decision you need to make about it. Okay. <laughs> okay, I trust. Okay, I trust. Okay, I'll trust you there, God. Why? Because he already knows. He's already living in it. He's already been there. And I have a God who's worth trusting. Every decision he asks me to make, I have a God who's worth trusting. A few minutes ago, we spoke about those who find it easy to trust. We talked about George from the staff. Is your middle name George, Micah? Oh. Some of you just got that. <clears throat> Never mind. Uh, we talk about finding easy to trust someone, finding it hard to trust. And we would, we would probably all agree that everybody at some point finds it hard to trust people. But that's not entirely true. You wanna know a group of people who usually don't have problem trusting? Kids. Now most adults would say, well, that's just because they're naive. They haven't seen the real world. No, you wanna know the reason most kids just trust naturally? It's called innocence. Most kids don't have a reason to not trust. They haven't been let down. They haven't been disappointed. They haven't been hurt. 
They just trust. They see the good in everyone. They believe that anyone is trustworthy. And can I remind you that that's the type of faith that God says we're supposed to have? The faith of a child? Oh, not faith in others. No, the faith of a child towards God. A faith that says this, God, you haven't given me a reason not to trust you. So I see you as trustworthy. God, you haven't let me down. God, you haven't disappointed me. God, you haven't hurt me. God, you haven't gone behind my back. God, you haven't betrayed my trust. That's why God says that we should have the faith of a child. It's an innocent faith that says, I have no reason to not trust you in this. And so I wanna ask you, as you go into 2020, will you have the faith of a child? Will you look at the decisions of 2020 and say, God, I know I can trust you. God, I don't know what lies in store for me, but you are trustworthy. The truth is that you and I, we can easily trust the Lord. So this morning, I wanna challenge you as we look at 2020, but not 2020, let's just do this. As we look at tomorrow, December 30th, 2019. Tomorrow, don't just get up and stay the same. Don't get up and just live that comfort, comfortable Christianity, a life of slack. Let's get up and say, God, whatever you ask me to today, I trust you. God's challenge to put confidence in him Challenging that place of comfort, using the encouragement of others to strengthen us because, we, because he knows he's trustworthy and he wants us to know the same. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.